fantástico. Y si además no tuvieran que dormir fuera de casa y pudieran volver el mismo día, ¿tendrán algo así los de Bauman? Lo tenemos. Se llama Urban Camps. Llámanos al 91-133-5832 y te lo contaremos todo. 91-133-5832. English for dessert. Good afternoon. Welcome to English for dessert with me, Anna. How are you today? You know that Monday is my favorite day of the week and it is gorgeous in Madrid today again. I can't believe how nice January has been, honestly. It's just such a, I guess probably you're used to it because maybe you live in Spain or another country where it's really sunny, but you just don't understand. For people that are British, it's like, it's just the best thing ever. It can be sunny and that's fine. You're very spoiled here with the weather. I find it's really awkward when, one thing about when I speak Spanish, now I know I talk about some of the mistakes that I make and blah, 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 it's really funny. But one thing that's really difficult is When I say something, so like, for example, I just went into Rodia and I ordered a coffee, right? Sorry if you can hear any banging because they're, they're working again. You know, the person upstairs doesn't like me. So of course they're doing works. I have past three when my show's on. I'm going to find out who it is and send them a very strongly worded letter. <laughs> um, anyway, I was ordering a coffee in Rodia and I said, café con leche para llevar. Normal, right? I know it's right. I don't need any proof. I know it's right. But the problem is British people, we speak from like the back of our mouths. So we don't really move our mouth when we speak. So I'm like, and they're like, what? And I'm like, what's the problem? I'm saying a coffee with milk to go. Why don't you understand me? So I need to train because Spanish people, you speak more from your mouth. Like you, you know, we really don't move our mouth that much when we speak. So I have to, I have to practice. It's just so annoying because it makes me sound really stupid. And I know I'm not being stupid. Unless that's wrong. Tell me if it's wrong. Café con leche para is fine, right? Anyway, I need to practice. Practice, practice, practice. Practice makes perfect. Maybe you got some English practice in over the weekend. Now, Bacalao Gate. If you're following me on Instagram, you'll know that I... Attempted, attempted is probably the correct verb to watch a series in Spanish with no subtitles at all. So thank you to everybody that helped me out on that one. It will now be known as Bacalao Gate incident. <laughs> But uh, thank you very much. Everybody was sending me uh, what it actually meant because all I heard was Bacalao. And I was like, it definitely doesn't mean fish. It's something totally wrong. So... I did watch it again with subtitles, which was much easier. I kind of gave up. Uh, I guess in Spanish that would be merindo. I gave up. Like, I just, I, I couldn't do it. It was too, I guess it's too fast. I lose it. I start listening to one bit and then it's already like five minutes on. But thank you to Ivan who's, who sent me. Loads of you told me what it was. So thank you very much for taking the time to send me that. Because it really helped me and it's down in my book. I, I've learned it now, so I'll never forget it. Um, so it actually means, ¿Quién corta el bacalao? So who decides how and when things are done in every situation? 
Now, somebody said in English as well. It kind of means the big cheese. So, who's the big cheese? And it could be that, like, who's the person who's in charge, who has the influence? Um, you know, who rules the roost? Oh, that's another one that just came to me in my head. To rule the roost, who rules the roost? We say that a lot. For example, when you are at home. So, who rules the roost at home? For example. When I was a teenager, well, I guess I thought I ruled the roost. Probably I didn't, but so you know, you could say your mom rules the roost or your dad rules the roost. The roost, I think, is something to do with hens and chickens. Rule the roost. Rule the roost. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, to rule the roost, to be in complete control. But I don't know the origin of rule the roost. No idea. But there you go, to be in charge. So it could be somebody who rules the roost, somebody who is the big cheese, but we certainly don't say the fish person. <laughs> so that's a little bit different in English. And Ivan told me as well the, the, where it comes from. So I'm going to tell you now in case you don't know. You probably do, but maybe you don't because I'm English and I don't know where loads of English sayings come from. So The expression comes from the past when fishermen received part of their salary in salted and dried cod. Wow. Well, if you listened to my show last week about things that I think are wrong, definitely don't pay me with dried fish because <laughs> I'll be throwing it straight back in your face. <laughs> salted and dried cod. Yuck. But I don't know. I guess times are different now. Anyway, the fisherman in charge of cutting and distributing the cod is the person who has the power. So the fish person rules the roost. The fish person is the big cheese. The more of a friend, the, the more friendly you are with him, the bigger slice you have. Well, we don't have to be friends because I don't want any slices. So keep your salty and dry fish. Thank you. <laughs> But interesting for where it comes from. It's funny, isn't it? How lots of expressions actually come from some, well, I guess it's natural. They all come from something that happened at some point. Interesting. So thank you very much, Ivan. And thank you very much, everybody, for helping me with Bacalaugate. Now I know I'm going to continue trying to watch it without subtitles. But a good tip from me is watch it first without and then put the subtitles in afterwards. But it is pretty demotivating sometimes. Films especially. I know Richard Vaughan has said several times, don't watch films if you want to practice. But, you know, why not? Does series count? Series are different to films. Maybe he'd, maybe he'd approve of series. I don't know. What do you think? Probably not. Probably not. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention as well is I was walking home yesterday or the night before and I was just walking home, minding my own business. So to mind your own business just means doing your own thing, have my headphones in, enjoying life, walking through Madrid at night, which I absolutely love. And then someone comes up to you and tries to ask you something or annoy you. And they clearly know that you're on your own, right? And you're doing your own thing. You're minding your own business. And I was thinking, ah, it'd be really good to tell people what they should do if somebody comes up to you and you're like, look, just déjame, <laughs> por favor, leave me alone. So you can say, leave me alone, please. It's a little bit rude. It's a little bit short. Okay, but for anyone that knows me, that's, that's completely me. Right. I'm I can be a little bit short sometimes to be short means like uh, borde, 
Like a little bit, yeah, you know? It's a little bit different than being direct. Being direct is one thing, but being short is when you're very... Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it without saying short. Another way you could say to be short is like to be very cutting. C-U-T-T-I-N-G, to be very cutting. It's like, leave me alone, please. And it's like, message received, and they go away. So if anyone's annoying you in the street, and you're like, look, just just leave me alone, please. But of course, you can change that tone, intonation, you know, in English. You can say that in many different ways if you want to. You can say, leave me alone, please. Thank you very much. Okay, fine. But if you're me, and you're like, I'm enjoying my time by myself, please don't annoy me. I'm like, leave me alone. I might not even say please. I can be quite short. Yeah. What about you? Can you be short or quite cutting? Actually, some people have called, called me in Spanish, borde. And I'm like, that's not true. I'm not rude. And I'm really not. It's just, if I'm in a situation where I feel like I have to be rude, then I'm rude. And sometimes I can be a bit short. I'm especially short if I'm, number one, tired. If I'm tired and you're annoying me, I'm going to be short with you. <laughs> Just like, no. Another time, I can be tired. Yeah, I can be hungry. Woof. If I'm hungry, beware. Like, it's not a very good, not a very good place to be if I'm hungry. But if I'm hungry and tired, woof. I think I've probably said this on the show before. Just don't even approach me. Just don't even go there. Which is why I always try and have three meals and snacks. So I'm never in a position where I'm grumpy and short with people. But, you know, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I can be pretty short with people. So to be short with someone, it means to be a bit grumpy, you know, a bit direct, a bit cutting. So I'm known to be a little bit short, but not today. Because today's my favorite day of the week. It's Monday. So no being short for me today. But again, if somebody's annoying you in the street, déjame, probably I would translate as leave me alone. Leave me alone. Not leave me in peace. Sometimes people say déjame en paz. Mm, you wouldn't say that to somebody on the street. Just say leave me alone. Leave me alone, please. You could say leave me in peace, but you might sound a bit odd. A bit like a priest or something. I don't know. <laughs> so leave me alone. Anyway, it's the last week of English for Dessert, as we know it, because as you know, well, you might not know already, next week I'm starting a brand new show on Vaughan Radio. And instead of being at half past three, it's going to be at five o'clock in the afternoon. And not only that, it's going to be at five o'clock and it's going to be an extra half an hour. So it's going to be one hour long. My goodness, what am I going to do talking for one hour? Well, lots of things. I'm going to do the same kind of stuff. I'm going to chat. I'm going to talk about different topics. We're going to do some more stuff on social media. We'll have guests. So all, just a little bit more of the same, you know. And I'm going to be doing a little bit more grammar and common mistakes. Just basically my show now, but just times two. So you can say times two. It just means double. Times three it means triple. So it's like English for dessert times two. Now, it will be a different name because obviously now English for dessert doesn't really has no meaning now because it's not going to be straight after lunch so i will be revealing the name at the end of the week because i have decided but i'm just gonna wait and make sure that i'm happy about it because of course if i say it's one thing and then i change it it's a little bit awkward right incommodo bit awkward 
So, new show starting from next week. So it's the last week of English for Dessert, as we know it. But it's been really fun. I've had such a great time and I can't wait to continue with the new show at 5pm. And after my show, my show will be from 5pm until 6 and then Kyle will follow. So instead of being before Julia's show, I'll be after Julia's show. So I have another question that I'd like to talk about today because I promised a listener that I would talk about conditionals. So I'm going to talk about conditionals, but I'm going to talk about it using the example that I used on my Instagram. Now, if you don't follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can at English number four dessert to S's. Now, I asked some of my Instagram followers over the weekend a little question in the conditional. Following on from camping, very interesting topic that I was talking about last week. So I asked them a question. I said, would you stay in this tent if you went camping? Would you stay in this tent if you went camping? Now, if you see the picture, the only way to describe the tent is basically the smallest tent you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> uh, not very comfortable in the middle of kind of a bit of a shabby field. Shabby just means not very nice, not very well maintained. Shabby, S-H-A-B-B-Y. And surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, I think like 80% of people said, absolutely no way. I'm not staying in that tent, even if you paid me. That's a very common thing to say in English. Like you wouldn't do something even if someone paid you. And yeah, you could answer that about many different questions in English, very rude things, but I won't go there. So most people said no. But surprisingly, we had a few people that were like, yeah, go for it. I'd stay in that tent uh, if I went camping couple of people said well if the company's good why not i was like what company it's like the tent is absolutely tiny i don't even know if you could fit one person in there i mean why not for me absolutely not i'm definitely in the 80 percent uh section absolutely no way if i'm going to stay in a tent it's either going to be glamping which is what i talked about last week which is glamorous camping Or it's at least got to be like a four bed with like a little area in the middle for, you know, like a communal area. Oh, I love that. I remember one year when I went to a festival with my friends, we invested a bit of money and we bought like this big tent and it had like four sections and then like a communal bit in the middle. Oh, it was so sweet. It was so fun. And we bought like blow up um, mattresses and chairs And we just put them all around. It was it was so cool. It was so fun. Oh, what memories. I want to go back now. That would be so good. Anyway, conditionals. Would you stay in this tent if you went camping? That was a second conditional question. Would you stay in this tent if you went camping? Simple conditional followed by the past tense. Now, conditionals. Don't stress about conditionals. If there's anything in English you don't need to stress about, it's conditionals. Why? Because they're very similar structure in Spanish. In fact, they're pretty much the same structure in Spanish as they are in English. So you don't have all these difficult things like phrasal verbs and prepositions, which are the things that everyone hates. Conditionals, actually, not so bad. So don't stress about conditionals. Don't be scared of conditionals. In fact... I can tell you about 95% of all students that I teach love conditionals. Why? Because it's like a formula. So once you know the formula, you can do it. 
you know, it's not like phrasal verbs where you have one phrasal verb that has like 15 meanings or something. No, once you know the formula, you can pretty much work it out. Now, one thing in foreign that we do say, because I guess a lot of you when you're taught about conditionals is you're taught about the first conditional, the second conditional and the third conditional. Right? Makes sense. One, two, three. However, in Vaughan, we teach our students a bit differently. We don't teach them the, we do teach them the first, the second, and the third, but we give them slightly different names. So we say the future conditional for the first conditional, the present conditional for the second conditional, and the past conditional for the third conditional. Because it's kind of easier to understand it that way. Because then you're thinking about the time reference and then it's easier to work it out. Or so so Mr. Vaughan has decided. And I think it is easier, actually, even for me as a teacher. Because I didn't know anything about conditionals before I was a teacher. Of course, I used them, but I didn't know exactly the grammar structure. So I had to learn conditionals as well. And it's easier when you use those different titles. Future for first, present for second, third for past. So let's run through some examples using the tent example. So I think it was Yasmin on Twitter asked me to just look at the third conditional, but why not do all three while we're here? It's easier just to look at them all together. So we're going to use the example, stay in a tent, go camping. So let's have a look at it from future or first conditional. So what we need here is a little cheeky if with the present tense, or sorry, cheeky if with the future simple tense and the present tense. Oh no, well, it depends. We can You can start it both ways. Let's start it with if present first future. So if you go camping, will you stay in that tent? So future, it hasn't happened yet. Future, if you go camping, will you stay in that tent? Present tense followed by future. Well, I mean, if I go camping, I definitely won't stay in that tent. Absolutely not. I'm going to get a much nicer tent. And as I said on my Instagram as well, I'm going to buy a bright fluorescent orange tent next time I go camping just to make sure that I can see it <laughs> in the sea of blue tents. So a little bit of future. Next, present conditional, second conditional. Past tense plus the simple conditional. So if you went camping, would you stay in that tent? Now you can switch this around and say, would you stay in that tent if you went camping? So you can flip it around. You can use it in both ways and start the question differently. So if I went camping, I wouldn't stay in that tent. Not a chance. No way. Not even if you paid me. Well, okay, maybe if you pay me. Like, I don't know. It'd have to be worth more than the cost of the trip. So I guess staying in that tent would probably be pretty, pretty cheap. So I don't know, 300 euros. Maybe 300 euros, I'll stay in that tent. It's pretty expensive. I just stay in the tent and stop being such a diva. So would you stay in that tent if you went camping? Present conditional, second conditional. And finally, past conditional. So we're looking back. Okay, we're thinking about the past. Past conditional or third conditional. If plus the past conditional form and the past perfect. So let me run through that one. Would you have stayed in that tent if you had gone camping? Would you have stayed in that tent if you'd gone camping? 
Because remember, in English, we use a lot of intonation in our questions. One thing I'm always telling my students is you've got to bring that question to life. You've got to give it some intonation. For example, sometimes I have some students that are like, are you going to go to the dentist tomorrow? Uh, why did you do that? It's like, you sound like a robot. So one thing I always say to my students is, no more robot, more Pablo or more Juan. You've got to put intonation behind those questions. You're, you speak. Spanish speakers are a lot, you're a lot more neutral when we speak, but in English, no. You need intonation. Would you have stayed in that tent if you'd gone camping? Do you see what I mean? It's like up, down, singing all over the place. So there's a few. Let's, I'll run through them one more time from first to third. So future conditional. Will you stay in that tent if you go camping? Future tense plus present tense. Present conditional or second conditional. Would you stay in that tent if you went camping? And last but not least, the past or the third conditional. Would you have stayed in that tent if you'd gone camping? So, just a very little cheeky run-through of the conditionals, okay? If you'd like me to do some more on that, let me know. Maybe I can do another example in one of my shows uh, in this week as kind of a little finish-off before the new show. So, basically, my message is don't be scared about conditionals. Really good way to do it is, like, with translation lists. It's great for me because we have translation lists here and I just learn them from English to Spanish because the structure is exactly the same. So, don't be scared of conditionals, Have fun with conditionals. They are fun, I promise. So lastly, before we finish, I'd just like to do a little expression that I read in my book that I finished last week. To be sandwiched between something. So I can be sandwiched. Well, okay. <laughs> I just listened to what I was about to say and I'm like, that sounds kind of rude. So whatever. I'm going to say it anyway. I can be sandwiched in between two people, right? To be sandwiched between. Now, a sandwich, of course, bocadillo. A sandwich. Two pieces of bread and something in the middle. But if you're sandwiched between something, it means you're, like, stuck in the middle. So, like, you can be sandwiched in between two people, meaning you're squashed in the middle of somebody. So, for example, maybe you are in a room full of people, you're at an event... And there's people really close to you and you're all together and you're like sardines in a tin. So one thing we say in English is when there's loads of people in a room, we say, oh, it's like sardines in a tin. Is that what we say? Yes, we do. Sardines in a tin. You know, sardines, the little horrible, yucky, ew, fish things. Oh, God, horrible. Sorry, I just hate fish so much, honestly. I really do. <laughs> Anyway, like sardines in a tin and you've got two people either side of you and they're pushing against you. You're sandwiched in between them. It's like, I can't move. I'm sandwiched in between these two people. And also you can use it for an object as well. Like an object can be sam sandwiched in between two things. So I guess it comes from, if you imagine the filling of a sandwich is like between the two slices of bread. It's like you're the filling. And everybody else is pushing in around you. But two items can also be sandwiched in between one another. Like maybe something in between two books or... But I'd say it's more common with people to be like sandwiched in between two people. I hate that. I hate being around like loads of people in a room. I'm not claustrophobic. 
claustrophobic is when you don't like small spaces. But, you know, if I had to choose one room with like five people or one room with 50 people, I'm going to pick the room with five. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of crowds. I know this is a really common one, like people who don't like crowds and really busy places. For example, in Madrid on a Saturday, forget it. No way. I'm not going into the center of Madrid on a Saturday because you can't move. It's horrible. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. So I don't like being like in very small spaces with lots of people or like in a lift. And it says like maximum six people. And then there's like six people and you're like, oh my God, we're all going to (laughs) die. I don't like that very much. But to be sandwiched in between two people, it means to be squashed with one person on one side, one person on one side and another person on another side. So be sandwiched in between two people or sandwiched between. It doesn't have to be in between. It could be in between or between. So there you go. I thought that would just be something that not many people knew. I'm trying to think what my favorite is. Now I've talked about being sandwiched. I'm thinking about sandwiches. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head like, oh, what's my favorite sandwich? You know, I love sandwiches that have, you know, the really thick bread. Oh, I don't like sandwiches with a lot of fillings. The fillings is just anything inside, like ham, whatever. Okay, I'm going to have to go and eat a sandwich now. And now we're finished, so I can. So there you go. To be sandwiched in between something, to be squashed in between people. And a little bit about conditionals. So if you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you can English for Dessert. And I will be back same place, same time tomorrow for more English for Dessert. So see you tomorrow, everyone. Bye-bye. Listening to Vaughn Radio. Listening to Radio. Vaughn Radio. Es el momento de descubrir las claves del éxito de la mano de Richard Vaughan y Javier Fernández Aguado. No te quedes sin tu plaza para el seminario Emprender y Liderar. Las claves del éxito. El próximo martes 29 de enero de 16.30 a 20.30 horas en la oficina central de Vaughan en la calle Orense 69 primera planta. Entra en grupovaughan.com barra seminario. Ahora es tu momento. ¿No quieres aprender inglés? ¿No quieres conocer expresiones y vocabulario? Ah, entonces no nos busques, porque con nuestros trimestrales mejorarás tu agilidad oral y nivel auditivo y reforzarás la gramática en grupos reducidos y mediante el método Bauga.